from regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Seaman Jodderand. Joining me today is Armand Kafai and Jake Ortroba. On today's episode, Jake offers some consumer advice. I love the city of Boston and Armand's latest catfish. Now, listeners, you know the drill. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. If you want to get some USA coverage, check out yesterday's episode. Armand and I go in-depth with Burhalter's comments regarding the U.S. roster. Now, Jake, welcome back. You had a very busy weekend. You sat around, watched a lot of soccer, but you also celebrated your birthday. So, happy belated birthday. Welcome back. How we doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Thank you for uh, thank you for the birthday wishes. Um, I'm 30 years old, so that sucks. <laughs> I feel old. I'm like the resident senior citizen on this podcast now, for sure. Yeah, so... um. Give us some consumer advice. Listeners, if you're going to dump upwards of $15,000 into a car, I suggest you make the small investment and buy the extended warranty because your boy bought a new car a year and a half ago and it already needs a new engine. But because your boy bought the extended warranty, paid for itself i don't go i I get a new engine for the warranty by the the warranty warranty. just just do it do it armand how we doing back-to-back days lots to get to recover from from missing out on uh sunday night football yeah i missed out on sunday night football like i told you all listeners for uh some uh, crappy college football so here we are recovering rewatching film you know, you know how it is, Long Sam Soccer Podcast. We yeah. don't take no days off. No days off. Jake, question for you. How do you feel about your boy, Jossie Zardes, getting called up once again? And is the American goal-scoring leader in America's top division? It doesn't surprise me. I told you guys he's going to be a big piece for this <laughs> national team with uh, Greg Berhalter in charge. How does that make you feel, I, I, though? It, it doesn't it, – it, it's not as though – it's not like I believe he deserves it, though. I don't believe he deserves to be called up. Just because you have 11 goals in MLS doesn't mean that you are national team quality. You guys talked about Burhalter 
talking about is, is Paxton Pomichol ready to play on an international stage? Is he good enough? What I want to know is if that's, if we're going to hold Paxton Pomichol to that standard, why aren't we holding the Will Traps and the Jossie Zardeses of the world <laughs> to that same standard? Very good question, Jake. I don't have those answers. I don't think we will ever get those answers, but at Unksam Soccer Pod, at Jake Wittroba, if you want to talk a little USA, if not, go check out yesterday's episode. Guys, Another busy weekend in Major League Soccer. Last week, we're talking about RSL being in second place. Now we're talking about a LA Galaxy that is the seventh seed in the Western Conference. Jake, give me the headlines that uh, Mr. Armand here missed while he was getting blasted in Norman, Oklahoma. Right, while Armand was in a drunken stupor at the University of Oklahoma this weekend... Armand missed Portland grabbing a massive three points at home as they edged out RSL 1-0 on Saturday night. The win paired with an LA Galaxy loss on Sunday, more on that later listeners, brings the Galaxy to only two points behind the seventh-seeded Galaxy in the Western Conference standings. Also, David Beckham's side, Inter-Miami appeared to be going big game hunting as they've shown interest in 20-year-old Argentine midfielder and River Plate product Ezequiel Palacios. Miami is rumored to have offered upwards of $20 million for the Argentine services. However, it's believed Palacios favors a move to Europe. So those are the headlines that Armand missed while he was doing ski shots (laughs) in Oklahoma. No, 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 no. I... uh... The bars in Norman suck, okay? So <laughs> I, 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 I really didn't do much except slam some Budweiser's and watch some football, okay? Yeah. Let me clear the air for our listeners. And meanwhile, trying to get reception to probably the game of the week, right? Seattle, LA oh, Galaxy. Yeah. So, so funny story for our listeners. I was uh, desperate to figure out what was going on during commercial breaks because like all these goals happening in like, a flurry. And I remember I was texting Stephen and Jake like, yo, like what's going on? Please stop texting me goal updates. I hate this. I want to watch the game. I try to pull up on ESPN, <laughs> but you know, there's no connection to that stupid concrete jungle. So it was also on Fox Sports One too, which is probably why you couldn't pull it up on ESPN. <laughs> well, uh-huh. it shows you uh-huh. how drunk Armand was. Clearly uh-huh. not looking in the right places. But Jake, game of the week, obviously, but massive ramifications for the Western Conference. Oh, it was huge, huge ramifications. Steven, the Western Conference is crazy right now. We've talked about it several times over the last few weeks. Everything is packed together, two through eight, only separated by six points. Any result, a win, a tie, you see teams jumping from as high as the second seed, as we saw Seattle do with a win over the Galaxy. And you see how much a loss can hurt a team like the Galaxy as they were the second seed in the Western Conference entering Saturday or Sunday night's game and a loss drops them down to seventh place, only two points above the line and the Portland. This is MLS's wet dream right here with the playoffs, with teams jumping around seeding. You have no idea who's going to host it. Several weeks ago, Minnesota United looked somewhat cushioned as the second seed. The Galaxy suddenly have question marks on whether or not they could even make the playoffs. Guys, Portland have a game in hand. And guess what the gap is between the Galaxy and Portland? Two points. Portland can easily jump the Los Angeles Galaxy. 
And we have a playoffs minus arguably the biggest star in Major League Soccer in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. How much of a disaster would that be if the Galaxy missed it again? Oh, aren't we all hoping, praying for LAFC, Los Angeles Galaxy in one round? It doesn't have to be the Western Conference final. It just needs to be one of the rounds. Please give us El Trafico. Yeah, I think Don Garber is there praying with you at his church every Sunday, hoping that happens. But I I don't know what it is with the Galaxy. They just can't close out games. They really just can't close out games, and their leaky defense like showed off again on Sunday night. Yeah, they gave up a goal in the 88th minute to Christian Roldan, sealing the three points for the Sounders. Jake, thrilling match, clearly a thrilling match, but what is the big takeaway from the match? For me, you got to put respect on the Sounders' name again, I think. I think we were talking just a few weeks ago about how – should we, we be should we be concerned about the Sounders after they drop points to the uh, 10-man uh, LA Galaxy a, a few weeks ago at StubHub Center? Now, everything's changed. They're second in the Western Conference. Christian Roldan's hanging braces on people. Uh, Jordan Morris, he looked great on Sunday night, I thought. They... They jump out to a two-goal lead. They then lose the lead. They then show a little bit of resolve and and are able to find two late goals in the second half to to see out the match. I think we need to put a little respect on the Sounders' name. That's my big takeaway from it. You know what's funny, though? The Seattle Sounders, August 14th, just lost to RSL 3 nothing. Then, three days later, we talk about how the Sounders couldn't find a way past the 10-men galaxy. Uh-oh, question marks. Then capture the Castadia Cup in Portland. Kind of turns the momentum back into their favor. And then obviously with a massive three points. And Armand, do you see the same way? Or is it fluky? Or is it just flavor of the month? Or flavor of the week, really, in MLS? Last week, it's RSL second. Now it's Seattle Sounders. Are we expecting FC Dallas to suddenly be in second place in 10 days? And that's the flavor of the week? Yeah, honestly. I think uh, uh, your analogy of flavor of the week is pretty good. It seems like a new person. There's no clear cut. I would say second, third, fourth. Honestly, there's no clear cut second through seventh. I'm going to be honest with you. Every team has beaten each other. Every team has played each other very closely, right? I mean, we talked about those FC Dallas-Minnesota United games, FC Dallas-San Jose games, RSL, uh, and Minnesota United. Like, all these teams have played each other pretty closely, and they all beat each other. So it's not like, you know, one team is significantly better than another team. I think there's so much parity in the Western Conference, and it's going to make for a very interesting playoff. And I think that's where home field advantage really kicks in. I think this is what MLS wanted, right? Home field advantage to mean a lot more, and I think it will have a lot more meaning going into these matches. I want to just throw out a quick fun fact. Remember, the first tiebreaker for these teams is wins. Not goal difference, but wins. So keep that in mind when we look at these standings as well. Oh, so you, you want to know what it is? 13, 13, 13, 13, 12, yep. 13. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even that tiebreaker sells them. And then goal differential, just to show you the difference between LAFC and the rest of the Western Conference. LAFC, 44, right? Seattle Sounders, 3. Minnesota United, 9. San Jose, 5. RSL, 5. 
FC Dallas, nine. Pretty good, actually. Los Angeles Galaxy, minus four. Portland Timbers, three. Suck, 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 suck. It's just mediocrity, right? Flavor of the week. Meanwhile, Los Angeles Galaxy, seventh place. Are they in trouble? They've gone 6, 11, and 2 with a minus 11 goal differential since the beginning of May. Panic button, guys? Steven, just as much as you talk about how LAFC might be a little stage fright, they don't get up for the big games, I just think the Galaxy, we talk about how they seem to perform when the lights are turned on the brightest. I just think this team just needs to find a way to just get in the playoffs, and I think they'll be fine. Not saying they're going to go and win MLS Cup, but I think Pavone, I think Dos Santos, I think Ibrahimovic, if they get in the postseason, they'll be A-OK. It's just getting over that line come the end of the regular season. Man, only if they could figure out how to stop leaking goals in. They've allowed three, four goals against the Sounders, three against LAFC, two against the Sounders, clean sheet against FC Dallas. But it, it's just not... The, defensively, they are not very sound. And as much as you want to say, yeah, just get into the playoffs, Armand, you have to be worried with the Galaxy being able to hold off a team in the dying minutes of a game. The Galaxy do worry me a lot. They should be better, right? And they often play down to competition. I think they should be a lot better. I mean, I don't think Diego Polenta... Remember, guys, Jurgen Schelvik, uh, the left back, guys, he... He was bought in for like one to two million dollars, like in that range, and he's essentially been a a, a bust. Giancarlo Gonzalez hasn't been performing as well. I mean, he's been solid, right? But hasn't obviously hasn't been able to fix the problems. I think there's more to it. This makes a bunch of mismatched parts. It, I'm interested because you know Sebastian Legette uh, has played a little bit of like a more defensive-minded role in a few matches. And that's I don't know if that really fits him. Um, I, I feel like some mismatched parts here and there, and you can't just fix the defense by adding more offense. You got to address the defense. I feel like it's what they try doing with Pavone, but obviously it hasn't been working. If the Galaxy makes the playoffs, like, I don't know what to say at this point. Like if they do, like that's just crazy to me. If they miss it with Zlatan. Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see if this Galaxy team with all its star power can find a way to but sneak the league, in. The, the league needs them in the playoffs. The league absolutely needs the Los Angeles Galaxy to at least play one playoff game. I think we as fans need them in the playoffs too, because like you said, Stephen, who doesn't want to see El Trafico in the playoffs? But let's move it on here. Let's talk about Stephen's favorite team. Let's talk about New England Revolution. They draw Toronto 1-1 at Gillette Stadium Saturday night. Goals by Nicholas Benazette in the 73rd minute. And an equalizer late by Gustavo Bow in the 85th minute sees the host eke out a draw. Now, Steven, you're going to beat a dead horse here. We've done, we yes. do this a lot in the show, yes. especially when it comes to the Revs l- lately. Another plucky performance by Bruce Arena's men. They managed to find the back of the net via Gustavo Bo to draw Toronto FC. The Revs currently sitting in sixth place in the East. Give us your take from Saturday's match. Look, for all you MLSers outside of the New England region, outside of really understanding what soccer means in that area, did anybody really know that the New England Revolution games are broadcasted in Portuguese? 
Jake Armand, did you know that? Yes. No. Did you know that only because I texted you that? No. Oh, I knew that because of the first ever time Minnesota United played the revolution and they had banners that said, tune into channel blah, 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 blah for Portuguese broadcast. And I thought that's kind of weird, but interesting at the same time, so, too, you'd think it'd be Spanish. There's a huge Portuguese population in the New England region. Also, there was a massive survey done of New England sports fans. And do you know the number one player that fans wish to see in a New England Revolution kit? Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo because of the Portuguese influence. Not because he's some big name. He's because of the Portuguese influence. So my point being here, long story short, is the Ravs actually have people turning their attention to the rest. Sports radio is actually genuinely talking about them. Not on a consistent basis, but Bruce Arena has done something up there. People up there respect wins. People in New England expect wins. Bruce Arena came into an organization with the ownership viewed as one of the worst in the sports league. Meanwhile, the same owner in a different sports league is regarded as one of the best. He's been wildly successful taking the Patriots and hiring coaches, different coaches, and taking that team to the Super Bowl. Okay? So people have turned their attention to it. Not only that, they've spent some money. And Gustavo Bo has really done something phenomenal to the New England Revolution. Obviously, players like goalkeeper Matt Turner has been absolutely critical to the success of the New England Revolution. But Gustavo Boa has has done something phenomenal, and people are paying attention. They're winning. They're pulling out plucky results like this. They're sixth in the playoffs. There's there's opportunity for them to host a playoff game. It's not out of this world. They have one game in hand on the New York Red Bulls, who sit two points ahead of them, and they have two games in hand on DC United. So yeah. We're going to continue beating this drum. The New England Revolution are a plucky, sneaky team that might cause an upset in the playoffs. No, they will not go far. I don't think this team is whatsoever constructed to go for. But they're going to be a hard team to beat, and I wouldn't be surprised if they upset somebody. I just thought it was interesting in respect to where New England Revolution and Toronto FC sit in the table. Revolution sit, you know, sixth in the East with 39 points, and Toronto FC are seventh with 38 points. I was only a point separating the two. However, according to 538, Toronto has the better odds or better percentages or better chances, whatever word you want to use, of making the MLS playoffs at a 76% clip versus the New England Revolution at a 65% clip. So I find that a little bit interesting that... I find that puzzling. 538 isn't drinking the Revs Kool-Aid like you are. Well, do you no, think right. it's because the Revs, Revs have a little bit more difficult schedule? Yeah, probably. 100%. They, they play NYCFC. I mean, Orlando State doesn't really count. Salt Lake, uh, at Portland, NYCFC again, and then Atlanta on decision day. Meanwhile, as Toronto will take on uh, good old FC Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Wow. NYCFC, the Rapids, LAFC, and 
Chicago Fire and Columbus. I mean, obviously the schedule looks a little weaker, and uh, some yeah. of their games are at home. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Strength of schedule. The Reds probably have a tougher outlook. But all I'm saying is, here's the main takeaway from the Revs drawing Toronto. It's the fact that the Revs have some sort of semblance of interest now in New England again. And it really fundamentally started with Bruce Arena and the hire of Bruce Arena. And Armand, I'm going to come back to something you said to us. Bruce Arena only took that job if he was able to spend some money or if he had control of the operations of the New England Revolution. And I think you're 100% right, and you're starting to see that. Thank you. I'm a mind reader. I know what's going on in Brother Bruce's mind. Uh, Jake, another big game in the Eastern Conference was that of the Philadelphia Union beating Atlanta United 3-1. So, listeners, question of the day. Who's the best team in the Eastern Conference? It's NYCFC. It's definitely NYCFC. NYCFC, a point behind the Philadelphia Union right now. Also have two games in hand uh, over the Union and a game in hand over Atlanta United, who sit two points behind NYCFC. It has to be NYCFC. There's no reason for me to believe it's not going to be NYCFC. I just don't understand how Atlanta and Philly can quote-unquote, catch them in the points-per-game category as New York City is, has a 1.85 points-per-game uh, average at, uh, versus Philadelphia and Atlanta, who are at 1.76 and 1.71. It, they're, they're, I, I just don't see a way how those two teams can are, are going to be table toppers when this season is all said and done. Armand? Jake, you know what? I agree with you. I think... NYCFC is the best team, and uh, part of it is I think the way they play, they finally started to find uh, some sort of rhythm, right? I mean, they're on abs- they they've done really well ever since they lost that game to Atlanta United on the road. They're beating FC Cincinnati, beating Columbus, beating the Red Bulls, beating Vancouver, beating the teams that they should beat. They have challenges New England this weekend, and also they play Atlanta again. But I think you know their style of play, the NYCFC, the possession. Home field, playing on that baseball field too. These are all huge things. I think we should all take into consideration. And sure, uh, a team like Atlanta and you know, especially Philadelphia, their impressive win. They're really good. But at the same time, I'm a little bullish on both teams uh, for specific reasons. And, and you're you're not bullish. I, I disagree. I'm sorry. I, it's Atlanta. Okay, great win for the Union. Right, good three points. Puts them. I like how we all we all are going against the grain about the union because well, all I've seen on Twitter is that the union are the best team in MLS right now or in oh. a conference. Excuse me. Okay, let's put the game in context. How many games did Atlanta play in the month of August? Eight. That's a huge amount of games. The team was tired. They lifted the Champions Cup. They beat Minnesota United. For the U.S. Open Cup. Okay? The team was tired. From the 60th minute onwards, Atlanta looked completely gassed. They had no energies. The legs in the midfield were gone. They were left and right. The Union ran over them. This was the perfect match for the Union to beat Atlanta. Okay? But one thing is for sure. Atlanta had the pedigree to succeed, to lift silverware... And they're not afraid of anybody, okay? 
So I'm pushing the pause button on whether or not Philadelphia is really the best team in the Eastern Conference. Ultimately, what is Philadelphia's pedigree? Do they even have one? The answer is no. This is an untested team. Okay, You, you can call this game against Atlanta a tested match, but let's be honest, guys. Did Atlanta really take this game thinking they're going to get the three points, knowing that they just played eight games, lifted two trophies, the travel, the tiredness? They need rest. If you played this game on a different night with Atlanta having rest, I think the outcome is entirely different. It's interesting to me because, I mean, we're going to talk about the game, which, you know, ended 3-1 in the Union's favor. And like a statement, I mean, I went back and watched the game because I missed it. I was at the FC Dallas at the Cincinnati match. And to me, it seemed like the Union just kind of hit a breakthrough at some point, you know, but it wasn't like like a dominant performance. Like, don't get me wrong. We talked about this pre-show. We thought they were good, but I don't think it was enough to, you know, send a message to MLS Cup contenders or something like that. I'm still a little bullish on the Union because a lot of their success came on that left-hand side. They were attacking Julian Gressel, who was subbed out for Franco Escobar. Uh, you know, they attacked him through Il Senio and um, those Buffa Picolt. And they, then they got, they kind of got that that first goal kind of against the run of play, right? Medunian uh, finding Aronson. And then it, the, the crack started to go through after Joseph didn't score, you know, the two goals that he should have scored. I thought overall it wasn't an amazing game. It showed grit, but it wasn't like a, oh, this is like a season-defining moment for them. I don't know about you. Jake, Armand, it's it's interesting that this team is getting so much hype right now. Did you know the Philadelphia Union have not won a playoff game since they were founded February twenty eighth, two thousand eight? Did either of you know that? Have you guys? Did you guys know Philadelphia Union have not won? Like I, I've never heard the Union advancing out of a playoff. The point I'm trying to make is they have no winning pedigree. Now, that's not to say that Philadelphia Union fans shouldn't be excited that their team is sitting on 51 points here as we record this show on September 3rd. All right, I'm not, I don't think you I don't think you shouldn't be excited or you shouldn't be enthusiastic about the team. But I agree with you guys, first and foremost, that, yes, we're, people are hyping this game up way too much on a Philadelphia Union perspective. Now, it was a good performance by the Union, I thought. I was impressed i really thought the game turned like armand said there seemed to be a moment where everything just pivoted towards philadelphia and the momentum just started swimming in their favor and, and for me it really started with uh picolt coming off for ilsenio and then later on in the 77th minute sergio santos coming on for brendan aronson who uh scored the first goal for the union in the 61st minute for me, it was those two guys that really made the difference. That, that was that was the point at which the match really started to pivot and the union really started to put the pressure on Atlanta. And like we've been talking about, Atlanta playing their eighth game in August uh, on Saturday night against the Philadelphia Union. And you could definitely see there was some tire legs there as we got to the uh, one-hour mark. But for me, impressive performance by the Union, but I'm not going to sit here and do well, backflips that, and say that they're, they're, they're the best the team thing. in the East. That's the thing. But, is we're but not they're, saying they're, Philadelphia they are a sucks. Quality side. They're Before, a quality side. Quality side, a top three team in the Eastern Conference, and a top, what, five, six team in Major League Soccer. Okay? 
So before people run wild with, oh, Uncle Sam's soccer podcast say that the Philadelphia Union are fraudulent. No, I just am not going to sit there and say they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. It is a lot closer than we think. And I right thought they now, look good going forward. They, I look, they look good, good going good, forward, good. sure, but with you can Pico, say that about the Galaxy sometimes. Flavor of the week. Flavor of the week. That is that is the theme right now with Major League Soccer. It's the flavor of the week. And listeners, we're running out of time here. We'll talk more about LAFC and whether or not they are a beatable team next week. It is the international break. We'll talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team again next week. Armand, give us your two stars and the one catfish. We we like doing these two stars, one catfish. Now we changed the name to one catfish because we've mentioned catfish like three times on on this segment. So shout out catfishing. I don't know, uh, but star number one, guys, you gotta give some love to the IU man, Mason Toy. Woo! What a game from the guy who spit on Reggie Cannon. You know, two goals, including that one absolute filthy banger against LAFC. Beating the best team in MLS, made the best team in MLS history. We don't know, but Mason Toy, fantastic player. Gotta move to our second star now, Casper Shabuko of the Union. Jake alluded to him. I, I loved watching him play. His goal against Atlanta United was brilliant. And now that puts him with 13 goals in a season and four assists. It's been pretty fantastic for Shabuko. And we gotta give Ernst Tanner some credit. He brought in Kai Wagner and Shabuko, and they've both been absolutely fantastic. Sergio Santos as well. They've built a nice little, I guess, core together at the unit, and that's why you see them on top of the Eastern Conference going into the final weeks of MLS. The Catfish of the Week. You guys might hate me for this one, but it's LAFC. Man, we were just talking how bad the, the, the Minnesota United were last week, and then they go on the road and beat LAFC 2-0. Come on, LAFC. I don't have Carlos Vela, but your team is better than Minnesota United. You should be performing better. You guys ruined our takes. Minnesota like idiots. We don't like that on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. So you're our catfish of the week. I'm we sorry, LFC. We were catfished. You, you catfished us. You, you, United was terrible. LFC was great. And then you get this. Come on, man. We don't appreciate that on the spot. Come on. Listeners, question of the day. Who is the best team in the Eastern Conference? Is it Atlanta? Is it Philadelphia? Is it NYC? Is it other? Is it the New England Revolution? Is it is it Montreal Impact? I was ripping on them a few weeks ago. Tell me, who is the best team in the Eastern Conference at Unc Sam Soccer Pod? You can follow Armonkify at Armonkify. Let him know. Did he snub Christian Roldan and his two stars, one catfish? I think he did. Stop it. Roldan. No. No, don't do this. Don't open up, don't open up to the listeners. No. I think he no. did. No, I think he no. did. Scores I, a brace, scores a late winner against the Galaxy. Big now match. Now you love Seattle, huh? Now you love Seattle, huh? And they invented soccer. You can follow Stephen Jodoran at Stephen Jodoran, and you can follow myself at Jake Watroba. For Stephen and Armand, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.
The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.